in the truth of the word of God being lived out tomorrow as well as tonight. And so I want you to uh, be able to take that and to mull it over and to live it out. It's great. Well, with your notebooks, I want to ask you this question. Have a think. What three words would you like to have as the headline to your obituary? Have a think. Would you hope that people describe you as faithful, as fun, energetic? There's one who would get that. As uh, friendly, hopeful, loyal. Pick three words. I want you to think of those three words for yourself. Now, I want you to think, how would people remember a live church in Lincoln in 100 years' time when they think of the 2020s. The people of the 2020s, what three words would you want people to describe us as a collective body in this city in 100 years' time? So we, we all want to leave an imprint on the world. We all want to be remembered for something significant, something that's made a contribution to the world. But I don't know about you, but I find it a bit of a struggle sometimes to think about making a significant contribution when I've got all these different spe- uh, plates spinning all over the place, doing all the different things that I've got to do. The only thing that I get to make a significant contribution in is the reduction in the laundry pile. I feel like I'm really busy getting the kids ready and uh, getting Paul ready and uh, doing the uh, pack-ups and the gym bags and uh, getting everyone to gymnastics or football or uh, homework club or baking club. Sometimes life can feel really overwhelming, can't it? A recent study shows that millions of Britons are overwhelmed by mounting work pressures, busy social calendars and financial worries. More than six out of ten admitted to struggling to keep their life organising, just spinning all the plates with everything that they've got going on. So you might feel too busy. You might actually just feel too insignificant or too small to shape anything that makes an impact beyond your lifetime. I read this quote by a a folk singer I really like, called Lara Marling. She says this, I've been quite fascinated by the relative insignificance of human existence, the shortness of life. We might as well be a letter in a word, in a sentence on a page, in a book, in a library, in a city, in one country, in this enormous universe. (laughs) And that kind of fear and insignificance has kept me awake at night. It might keep you awake at night. It actually doesn't keep me awake, but it might keep you awake. You might think it's not my job to do anything important. You think, oh, I'll just leave that to the ones that talk about that all the, all the time. Outside of my small sphere, uh, I haven't really got anything to bring. I don't really feel like I'm called to make history. Life can feel really temporary. It can feel really full on. And the question is, is there even a mandate on our life to make a difference? Well, uh, I want to look at the Bible tonight and see what the Bible has got to say to us about this. And we're going to start right in the beginning of the book to start with, in the book of Genesis. You can turn there if you want. In the beginning, it says, God created the heavens and the earth. You might know this story. Uh, He made it, and as he made it, he looked at it and he said, oh, yeah, that's really good. Well, actually, he said, that's good. 
And then he made uh, humanity, and he stepped back, and he was like, whoa, that's really good. And he put us in a garden, speaking of raw elements, not something that's finished or perfect, but something he describes as good, but needs still a bit of work. And he commissioned us as his people, made, the Bible says, in his image, so people who look like him, to continue the work that he started as he spoke and things came to life and he gave us the power and the authority to speak and bring things to life, to act and bring things to life. Uh, he said, I want you to rule and reign over all of this stuff, to cultivate what I have made. It speaks of something being kind of uh, ongoingly created. And so he made us in the beginning with creation. And we know kind of the middle of the story. Uh, there was a, what we call the fall. Things went wrong. Humanity, Adam and Eve decided to go their own way in Genesis chapter 3. And then because of that, Jesus came so that he could bring us back into uh, relationship with God and to restore the image of God in us. So uh, the Bible talks about the image of God being marred and broken in us and that Jesus came and came to restore all things. In fact, Colossians says uh, he came to reconcile all things, put all things back together. So there was the creation and then there was the fall and then Jesus came to redeem uh, us and then uh, we can't just end there. This is where we find ourselves, right in the middle of the story, but uh, it doesn't just end there. It ends in the end of the book, like it starts at the beginning of the book. Uh, it ends in the book of Revelation, and John, who is Jesus' friend, has this dream or vision, and he sees a city coming down from heaven. And for me, the city speaks actually great pictures here of a city. It speaks of development. So there's a garden that is uh, raw and beautiful and wild. And then he gives us power and authority to make uh, this place that he has called our home into something that's developed like a city. And he says to do it with him in partnership with him. So we start at the beginning. Uh, we end with this city in mind, and we find ourselves right in the middle of this huge narrative, adding our stories to the chapters that will record history for generations. So whether we like it or not, we uh, will leave a trail behind us. Uh, we will leave some evidence that we were here. A chapter of our story will go down in history, and people will find evidence of this journey. Have you ever been on a journey or ever turned up at a place and you know someone's been there before you? A few years ago, I was uh, walked out of my living room like an intrepid adventurer into the hallway and on the walls I saw tiny little four-year-old handprints that were orange all the way up the wall, double amounts of them. And I knew immediately that my little girl, Poppy, and her friend had been there and they'd obviously been playing with my foundation makeup and they'd plastered it all over their faces and all over their hands and they'd gone, uh, as they'd come down the stairs, they'd left evidence of their presence in my life, in my house. Just after me and Paul were married, we went to Canada 
and uh, uh, we went to the Rocky Mountains. It was an amazing trip, and everywhere we went, we found these things. You see a picture uh, that they called, actually, that's a more Celtic version, but in Canada, they call them inukshuks, and they are uh, structures that are made out of stone or landmarks that when people have been uh, there on their journey, they would just... Uh, got to the top of the mountain or got to the place and then they just put their stone down to mark their presence on the journey. And these structures are found all over. They're actually found all over uh, Scotland and Wales and Yorkshire, but they're also found all over Alaska uh, and Canada and Greenland uh, in the Arctic Circle. And they're there because uh, they leave a mark to show uh, the people, where the people have been and to help with navigation as a, a marker for travel routes, uh, as a marker for campsites or the place that the people would camp, as a marker for fishing and hunting grounds, places of worship, places that honour uh, things that have happened there in the past. And you know, we're building a kind of inukshuk or a cairn, as the Celts call them, telling the story of the kind of people that we are, Matt, and Dan talked about a building, and it's a building that will tell the story of the kind of people we are in this city. A building that will tell the story of the kind of community that we are, the kind of things that we hold val of value, the things that we think are important, the things that show, it, it'll tell a story of how we love our neighbors and how we want to go and uh, see other people find the God that we follow. We're building this kind of marker in our city, putting down stones that will demonstrate something of the glory of God in our city. The Bible talks about people being living stones. And there's something really powerful about us owning our story and being the people of God. And then laying like uh, the people did in ancient uh, Keltland or on the walks. Uh, making these marks that look like rubble, but actually <laughs> uh, they are marking something of the journey. The entire Bible is full of stories of people who've left their mark or their imprint on humanity in really humble ways, just walking out of obedience and life with God. Ordinary people following God in their normal, everyday life and shaping something for the people who will come after them. Something really important about leaving something for the people that will come after them. So I'd love you to turn your Bibles to Hebrews 11. And we're going to look at some of these people and some of the things that they did. The Bible talks about passing stories from one generation to the next, telling our children and their children and their children the things of God. There are countless stories of people believing what God said in their lives and adding that to the chapter of this huge narrative from creation to renewal, from the garden to the city. We don't write our own books, but we get to write and add our stories to the chapter of the great collective book. You know, uh, God created us to be in relationship. And even though we're in this individualistic culture where we're like, well, this is my thing to do. Actually, being part of the church means being part of our story. You know, Jesus said, when you pray, pray our Father. He's saying, we're in this together. And so we're not writing in one book, but we're bringing our stories together to write a chapter in the 2020s in Lincoln for the people of the life. So the marker we build or the chapter we write tells the story of the kind of people we are. And more importantly, the kind of God that we follow. 
The Bible says that one ingredient we need to live a good story is faith. And this is what we see in Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Actually, when uh, the words here, when it says this is what the ancients were commended for, other translations or versions say this is the story of the ancients, their faith, the people who've come before us, who went before us. By faith, we create a world that was invisible, is now visible because we get to speak it out. And this is what the ancients did. People like Noah, it says in verse 7, By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. Can you imagine being like Noah and then uh, God saying, I want you to create an ark because it's going to rain so much that uh, the whole world is going to be flooded and you need to save yourselves. And then you need to put all these animals on the ark. To be honest, if I was Noah, I might not have done that. But Noah had the faith to see something, to believe something that wasn't yet there, and to reach out and gain the promise. Like Abraham. Abraham, who believed, despite physical circumstances, that he would be a father of a vast nation. There's something about Abraham that when God spoke to him, and he was called to go to a place to receive his his inheritance, he was called to be a father of a nation, a huge nation. He went and he did it, even though his wife was pretty old and pretty past any kind of childbearing age. He did it. And we know the end of the story. And we know the nations that he has fathered. That he didn't know, but he pressed in by faith and gained the promise. By faith, Isaac, in in verse 20, blessed Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, he saw uh, the exile. And he spoke, sorry, about the exodus. And he spoke about that. And made plans for his body to be buried in that place. He didn't see it, but he spoke it and it happened. By faith, Moses. Moses' parents knew that they were custodians of a prophetic promise. There's something really powerful, I think, that if we could know that we were custodians of a prophetic promise. By faith, The people who walked around the walls of Jericho uh, over and over again, maybe feeling like absolute idiots, but they kept kept on walking because they believed that those walls would fall. By faith, Gideon, even with a diminished tiny army, he went out to battle. By faith, David, a tiny little boy shepherd, fought a huge giant and still did it. Hebrews 11 Verse 33 says this. All of those people that we've just mentioned, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised. They saw something that other people hadn't seen. They believed it and they absolutely went for it. By faith, they got hold of what was promised. So we all leave a mark on this world. The question is, what kind of mark will we leave? We'll all leave evidence that we were here at some point, but what kind of evidence 
do we want to leave? Do we want to leave a mark that is promising the future of regeneration and renewal, that city that we looked at in Revelation? Or do we want to leave a mark of degeneration, of passivity, not really caring? Uh, I heard this story a few years ago. It really impacted me. You might know it if you've lived in Lincoln for a long time. There was an MP in the 1800s called uh, Lord Sibthorpe. Uh, He was a bit of a grump, actually, and uh, he was a really super, super conservative MP and didn't like anything new. In fact, he said that uh, anything, if Lincoln or the nation changed anything like uh, further than what it was like when he was born, then it would have uh, gone downhill. He thought that the railways were a passing fad, uh, and so he refused a mainline railway uh, line in from London to Lincoln. That's why we didn't have one, uh, because of this this man. He also really offended Queen Victoria because uh, he didn't like the fact she'd married a German and so refused uh, to acknowledge uh, Prince Albert. And so when Queen Victoria came to Lincoln, she refused to get off the train because she didn't want to acknowledge uh, that this was Lord Sibthorpe's area. I think because of the declarations that he made over our city and because of his kind of closed-mindedness, there's a kind of culture over Lincoln that we're looking to break and to change And he left a mark of degeneration, and we're called to leave a mark of regeneration. One of my favorite stories, and I tell this every year, Rise and Build, Paul and I, in the uh, central Lincoln location, is the story of the people of New Life Christian Fellowship in the early 1990s. I think there might be a few people uh, in this room that were here or there at at that time, and I just want to share with you, for those of you who've never heard this story, for me, it's one of those stories that you tell your children and they tell their children because of the faith that was exhibited and because of what they did. So uh, if you've been to the uh, central, the building on Newland, uh, you'll know it's um, it's all right, it's pretty well done up, uh, but in the 1990s, the congregation that were uh, worshipping there uh, were told by the county city council that they weren't allowed to be there anymore because it was... Um, not fit. It was what? Sorry, Philip? Unsafe. The balcony was kind of coming down. uh, And so the congregation and the leaders of the church at the time were like, we're going to have to go somewhere else. We're going to have to find another place for us to meet. And so they were a bit nomadic for a while, going around different places uh, in the city, uh, worshipping Jesus and gathering in different places. And a prophetic guy called Dale Gentry, who didn't know any of this, and he didn't know anything of the uh, building in the city centre, uh, he came to them and he said, uh, I've got this word for you, uh, that you need to uh, go back in to the place in the heart of the city centre, the place that is uh, strategic for what God wants to do in the city And you need to try again because uh, they'd been trying for ages to be able to renovate it. But uh, the whole place is landlocked and there was no way they'd be able to get the big machinery into the building to actually do the work that needed to to be done. The balcony needed underpinning, uh, the foundations needed sorting and uh, there was no way the machinery would have been able to access. So this guy, he said, you need to go back in. Uh, You need to uh, go back because uh, the call over this church and because we're one church, this call is over you guys too. The call over this church is to take the heart of the city. You're going to learn how to take the heart of the city and then you're going to teach others to take the heart of the city. He also said that there's going to be a move of God amongst college and university age students. And um, what was really interesting at the time was there was a teacher training college in Lincoln, but there was no university. And many of the people in the church just kind of went, oh, not sure about that because there's no university. 
I think the dates go like this. Three weeks after he came and then went. The plans for Lincoln University on the break of pool were unveiled. And uh, the church, with faith, came back into the building. They knocked through the huge wall where the screen is uh, behind the platform and brought diggers in to uh, do the work that needed doing. And in 1997, Sam Reed and myself arrived in Lincoln as the second cohort of students to ever be at Lincoln University. And uh, we came and a bunch of others uh, came and the church really welcomed us. In fact, it felt like a bit of a vibe, wasn't there? It was really like an excitement of uh, students are here and there's something going to happen. And as I put two and two together and heard that story and thought about how the church renovated uh, that building so that they could be in the building and worship in that place, it really just overwhelms me with gratitude. You see, it wasn't cheap to do that. In fact, people sold lots and lots of possessions to be able to pay to make that work. And they did it because they saw me and they saw Sam and they saw other people that hadn't, weren't in their consciousness, but they saw the promise and they reached out for it and they did something that transformed my life. You see, if I'd come to university and that uh, church hadn't been there, I don't know really whether I would have even ended up following Jesus because it was pretty easy for me to uh, get out of bed in my halls of residence and just walk across the bridge and get to church on a Sunday morning and people like Penny and Philip uh, looked after me and uh, ran the student hospitality. If I'd not had such a caring, loving community, I don't know where I would have been. And it's not just me and it's not just Sam. There are now hundreds of students that have come through the doors in Alive Lincoln uh, because of the sacrifice that people made in the early 1990s. You know, they saw me, but they didn't know me. And I want to ask you tonight, what kind of mark will you make? And who can you see that you've not yet seen? Because as we start to lay foundations and build a monument or a cairn in the south of the city, uh, for this city, we start to activate our faith and wonder, who are the people that we've not yet seen that we have already seen? Who are the people that we can reach out and gain the promise that God has given to us? Who are the people on our housing estates or uh, in our neighborhoods that we know need Jesus but wouldn't ever uh, come along uh, unless uh, we reach out to them and invite them? How are we going to gain the promise? So how are we going to do it? Well, Hebrews 12 talks about the people who have gone before us cheering us on like a great crowd or cloud of witnesses. They're saying, it's up to you. You need to throw off everything that tangles you up and run your race with perseverance and endurance so that you can reach what God has called you to reach. In Luke uh, Chapter 6, verse 46, Jesus instructs his disciples and he's talking to them. And he uh, uses, you probably, if you were in Sunday school, will know this story about the wise man who builds his house on the rock. Jesus, in this context, says right at the beginning, Luke 6, verse 46, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? This is just about obedience. You know, we can think it's really exciting and everyone can go, yeah, yeah, we want to see something built in the south of the city. We want to see our city transformed. We want to leave a mark 
uh, that will last for generations. But unless we actually do what Jesus says, then we'll never see it happen. Jesus says uh, that, I can't really see in the dark. The one who hears my word and doesn't do what, they, what I say is like the man who built his house on the sand without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck the house, it collapsed and destruction was complete. But the one who built the house, who dug deep down foundations on the rock, when the flood came, the torrent struck. But the house wasn't shaken because it was well built. And my encouragement to you tonight is to ask, not what society is saying over you to do, not what your friends or your family say to do, but what does Jesus say for you to do? Because we can say, Lord, Lord, we can worship Jesus on a Sunday night, we can throw our hands in the air, but if we don't follow what he does, we will never build the thing that he's called us to build. The people in New Life Christian Fellowship in the early 90s put their faith into action. They sold their stuff. They saw me before I even knew I was coming to university. And they gave and sacrificed so that I would be on a discipleship journey in a family of people and my life was transformed. So I think there's an invitation that Jesus has for us tonight. I think Jesus is inviting us to join him as he writes his story in Lincoln and shapes our future and the future for the people who we've not yet met and are yet to come. So Jesus says this tonight. Will you have the faith to partner with me to leave an imprint on this city that will be remembered for generations to come? Will you have the faith to partner with me? Like Noah, like Abraham, like Isaac, like Joseph, like Rahab, like Gideon, to partner with him to leave an imprint on this city that will be remembered for generations. Will you gain the promise? I wonder if the worship team could come up because we're uh, going to spend just a little bit of time praying and reflecting. What does it mean for us to gain the promise? What does it mean for us to stretch our hands out and to see those people that we can't see but we can see by faith? What does it look like to say yes to this? Let me tell you about a guy who said yes to this. His name's Chad Vara. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. But uh, he was a, um, a clergyman, curate, uh, and he had his first uh, position as a curate uh, on St. Giles in Lincoln. And one of the first funerals that he ever had to do was for a little girl who was 14 who came on a period and had no idea what was happening. And so she killed herself because she was so scared. And he said at the funeral to the little girl, you've changed my life. No one should ever have to live in fear like that. No one should ever want to take their lives. And so Chadvara decided that he'd set up a um, call, a phone line in his um, vicarage, which then developed into the Samaritans and now is an international movement. Chadvara from Lincoln set up the Samaritans because he knew that no one should have to take their own life out of desperation. That's what it looks like to say yes. Here's another one. My friend Dan, who in, I think, 2006, just come back from traveling the world and got a job offer in Canada. And he was going to get his passport sorted, I think, in Peterborough. 
bumped into someone and said, this person said, Dan, what are you doing? Why are you leaving Lincoln? This is where you're called to be. And so Dan, I'm really grateful for this. He said, yeah, actually, this is where I'm called. I'm going to say yes to this invitation to leave an imprint on this city for generations to come. And he got a bag of footballs and decided, what do I know what to do? I can connect with young people and I can play sport. And he went up onto the ermine and kicked some balls around and Energize was born. And now Energize connects with one in six young people in our city because of the pioneering work of Dan. So what would it look like for you to say yes? Because I wouldn't have taken some footballs onto the Irmine estate. I would do something different. You might do something. I wouldn't have set up a helpline for people who are at the brink of suicide. But I have done and will continue to do something. And my question is, what will you do to say yes? What does investing in this city, what does picking up your rock, your story your unique contribution, what does that look like for you? And laying it down with generosity and sacrifice to see a monument built in this city that will last for generations to come. To take hold of the promise of the people that we've not yet seen, but we have seen by faith. And to say, I'm in and I will give myself, even when it hurts, because I want to follow Jesus and build my house on the rock. So I'd love you to close your eyes. I want to invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you. What does it look like for us here to say yes? It might look like investing what God has given you in your workplace, bringing your best to your day job to work for the prosperity of Lincoln. It might look like you serving your family, knowing that as your children grow up, they will be city changers might look like joining a team to serve the city, the shed, butterflies, toddling. Being part of the new crisis cafe, nightlight, nightlight, nightlight cafe that Stacey's running. Might look like joining a local charity or being a school governor. It will look like sowing financially into Rise and Build for the glory of God and the legacy of what we want to leave for the future. Holy Spirit, would you speak to my friends here? What does it look like for them? And I'd love you to write that down. Because I want you to take it home and do what Jesus said in Luke. To build your house on the rock. To do what he says to follow him in obedience. And I've brought, um, brought some rocks. Everyone at Alive Lincoln last week got a small pebble. I've upgraded you guys. You get a rock each. Um, I wonder if someone with muscles could just go and get those rocks that are just behind that pillar and bring them down here. So what we're going to do, the, the worship team are going to uh, sing over us. We can sing, and I'd love to invite you to come and get your rock. And for uh, you, there's some little ones and there's some big ones. You can take a little one, maybe put it in your pocket this week as you're walking around. uh, And to just ask the Holy Spirit to continue uh, to speak to you. This is so that you can 
lay your rock down to build a monument in this city that will show the people in a hundred years time what did the people of Alive Lincoln, this city, of the 2020s, what were they like? And we will show them that we loved this city. We will show them that we were generous people. We will show them that we were people of faith. We will show them that we were faithful and kind and sacrificial. People who believed in the promise of God and reached out and took it. That's the monument that we're going to build in this city. And I am so glad that I get to do it with you. It's incredible. Why don't you come and get your uh, stone and then we'll pray uh, as uh, you activate your faith and ask God to show you those people that we've not yet seen. Come 
represent our story, our gifts, our unique character, our contribution. And we want to say together that we will lay our rocks down together to build a monument, something that will leave an imprint on this city for generations to come. And as we commit to that, I want you to imagine If we together joined God in his story of renewal in this city, what would it look like? I want you to imagine the kind of city that we could see established if we really took seriously God's heart for Lincoln and followed his call on our lives. I want you to imagine what would happen if people outside of the church really believed that we want what's best for this city and we worked to make that happen. I want you to imagine what their perspective would be of the God that we followed if we all joined so radically together to follow him, to love our neighbor by building something that went way beyond our lifetime. I want you to imagine what kind of future the children in this city could have. If we really released and equipped our teachers to bring transformation to the education system, in Lincoln. I want you to imagine what it would look like if people didn't have to go out of county for life-saving medical care because there was something that was so attractive about Lincoln that we got the best doctors in, uh, the people who wanted to serve Lincoln. Imagine if the most talented people wanted to come to this city to serve in this city. Imagine then if we could raise those kind of talent, those kind of leaders and that they wanted to stay here. What kind of city would we have? And we just want to make a declaration over the south of this city, over this city as you've declared, Jesus, that we will be a church that takes the heart of the city, not necessarily the center of the city, but the heart of the city, the heart of the people of the city, the heart of the structures and the systems of the city. And as we make the declaration, greater things will happen in this city than we've ever seen before because... We choose to believe and to gain the promise that you set out for us. And we want to be part of that, Jesus. Amen. What an an incredible word. Come on, let's show our appreciation. Joy, that is world class. I'm taking that in my heart. There's more work to be done. And uh, Joy said there's going to be sacrifice. There's going to be sacrifice of our time of our talents and our treasure. It is going to cost us a lot. And we're going to take the last five minutes to give into our Rise and Build offering. Thank you for those. It was so amazing this morning as we put buckets down the front, seeing people running out with our offering. I love it. God is doing big, big things. Isaiah 54 says this, Enlarge your house, build an addition, spread out your home and spare no expense. For you will soon be bursting at the seams. Your descendants will occupy other nations and resettle the ruined cities. Well, we need to build a building. We need to have a home that many people are going to find faith. It's not the only way, but it's one way. It's an access point. And it says here, spare no expense. 
We've raised 220,000 down to your sacrifice and your hard work and your commitment. But can we go again? Can we go again? Because we are going to be leaving something that is going to make a mark on generations to come. What do you want to leave? What do you want to leave a mark on? I want to see projects. I believe that God is going to be giving us 100 projects out of a life Lincoln South, as we're shortly to be known. A hundred projects that are going to affect people. More caps, more food banks, more energizers, more toddlings, more sheds, more butterflies. All of these projects, but there is going to be sacrifice. So as the worship team uh, pray over us, I'd love you to take your seats. And what we're going to do is we're going to take five minutes to fill out a form here. I don't want you to disengage, think this is not the Holy Spirit. This is, because there's a, there's a sacrifice that we need. On your chairs, everyone will find there's two rise and builds, pieces of paper. And it's really simple. Tonight, you can give a one-off gift. It could be cash or check. All the details in there. You can transfer money directly right now, straight into the account. You can do that. All you need to do is fill in your details. If you can write on the front, it might be a faith pledge. You might be taking a brick and saying, I will give a thousand pounds. I haven't got any money. And Erica, this morning, she took a brick. She said, Dan, and she doesn't mind me sharing this story. I've got no money. And I think that's exactly the attitude we need because that's faith speaking. Yet she's going to raise. Or maybe you want to say, I'm going to commit to this and set up a standing order that you're going to be able to give over the months. You're going to be giving uh, money that's going to help us. That's going to help us budget and you as well. But what God's saying to you today, and I know a lot of you gave this morning, so thank you, thank you so much. But I'm going to give you five minutes just to, as Joyce so eloquently put it, what can you give? There's going to be a cost to everyone. I love everyone to engage with this. Don't don't turn off on this. Because we're praying for a miracle offering. We believe that God's going to give us a miracle home, a warehouse facility in the south of the city, that we're going to see God do much, much more. But it's going to cost us. Are you willing to pay that cost? Are you willing to step out in faith? Are you willing to say, yeah, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to be all in. So as the musicians sing over us one final time tonight, what we're going to do is I'd love you to pray as you've prayed. Fill in this form. Take a moment. And then we're going to send the baskets round. And we're going to give into this. So if the band can sing over us, I love you. Can we, can we do it in faith tonight? Can we step out of our comfort zones? Can we say, God, I might not have any money, but I'm trusting that you will provide. 220,000 weeds rape, but we need to go again. So take a moment. Can everyone engage with this? What's God saying? And then as the band sing over us, we will come back and we will take our miracle offering tonight. If you need a pen, the host team are around. Pens are there with the host team, so scatter them around. These will be on your desk. And if, if you're not quite sure, uh, tonight you can go to the Connect desk, take one of these away and bring it back anytime. This is all the time we're raising for this. So God bless you as you give tonight. We will be taking up the offering after this song.